This podcast is made possible by supporters like you. Mahalo. And by Atlas Insurance Agency, Hawaii's largest professional agency, helping Hawaii navigate insurance solutions since 1929. More at atlasinsurance.com. Aloha mai kaku. Welcome to a new episode of What School You Went, where we start every conversation with this question, no matter where school you went. Could be on the mainland, could be in Taiwan, could be private school, public school. We don't care. We just want to know. That's how we start conversations sometimes here in the islands. I'm Ron Mizutani. And today, we're going to start talking about how success uh, can come in very different packages. I want to welcome... A good friend, Carrie Valentine. He's a best-selling and award-winning author, motivational speaker, and he is also a relationship expert. Carrie, uh, welcome back to the program. I know last time we visited with you, we talked a little bit about love. Um, but before we get to that, what school you went? I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> and, and and your mascot? Did you folks have like an alma mater or I mean, music school? Yes, yes. You did. No, no, we have an alma mater, but no mascot that I know of. Okay, so like a clef note or something might have been. Yes. Um, yes. Okay, I'll put you in a spot. Sure. Because you're about my age, so our memories are about the same level. Can you sing a hum or? A, t- a port of your alma mater for me? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Didn't even know we had one. So, folks who are listening from Berkeley, if there is one, please let me know. I'd That's love hilarious. To hear. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny though. I, I, when every guest I ask to do that, nobody comes out and belts one. It's funny. <laughs> I, let's get to the business. Um, you know, uh, in in Hawaii, many children, and I'm not stereotyping. No matter where you're from. They struggle with pidgin English, when to turn it on and off. They, they, some, some have speech difficulties where they stutter or they, they mumble. And some people just don't like the fear of speaking in public. All of those are very real, no matter where you're from. For myself, my pidgin English was so bad that people literally could not understand what I was saying. And I had to go to a speech therapist for three years just to know how to speak standard English. Now, I'm not saying pidgin is not good because it is recognized as a, as a language. How can we turn that around, even at a young age? Maybe talk a little bit about that. Sure. So it, you're sharing a, a bit, Ron, of like kind of what I'm curious about. What kind of thoughts and feelings did you have in that process? Did you feel um, kind of embarrassed? Yes. You know? And then, like, having to, you know, be in the public and, and talking with others and they're like, I don't understand you mm-hmm. or things like that. Yeah, lots of anxiety that I didn't even know what anxiety was at the time. You know, this was in elementary school. Um, and, yeah, embarrassment. I felt, uh, you know, different. I felt almost like, you know, outcast in some ways because I just, they, they would literally say, I can't even understand what you're saying. And... I thought I was just speaking, you know, like I do at home. Uh, you struggled with some speech things too as a young man. Yes. So my end was more on the other side of uh, being quiet. I mumbled. 
and and yet uh, my way of speaking was at that time through drums and music. Uh, <laughs> one little fun little story, uh, you know, with parents, you know, having kids and getting them into music lessons and stuff. There's often the, you know, would you go practice already? Because we've, you know, went to the music lesson last week and stuff. My parents had the other problem. Would you shut up already? <laughs> <laughs> I just love playing drums and uh, it was my world. And, and I really appreciate in years going on what my parents and brothers put up with because Mm -hmm. drums are not the easiest thing to no. listen to no. on their own. Right. But to share with you, you know, it's often uh, we have to go through this, this mental, emotional journey and transformation to first realize we're okay who we are. We may have to adjust, adjust and adapt, but why, you know, why are we feeling this way? What has gone on in our mental thoughts that equated pigeon with not being okay? You know, kind of thing. Like, okay, fine, you speak pidgin. Fine, okay. We get, you know, the literal thing of like to shift that transformation for people to hear you and understand you and communicate with you. So that's one level. But why, what's going on in the internal element in your own thinking or in my thinking in those ways filled of doubts, fears, embarrassment, like what you're sharing about? What has gone on maybe in... Um, in your own in your own self, what's maybe around the community or things mm-hmm. like that, um, you know. I know for myself, uh, I was very sensitive, and there was a lot of disharmony in my home that I was mm-hmm. growing up with my parents, and I think that aided for sure, sure in in my mumbles, you know, kind of thing. It manifested that way. It, it organically just surfaced that way. That's, I think you're spot on with that. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in, a, in, a, in a session right now. You're going to charge <laughs> me by the hour? What's going on here? No, but um, <laughs> do I need to lie down? I mean, <laughs> not, not, not to all. be stereotyping, but, you know, it's, you're, you're diving deep into to some of the things that I, ch- I was challenged with. So, yes, the pigeon was an issue, but the anxiety yeah. and, and all that thing came out a little later in life and, you know, I'm currently writing a book about it because my, my mental health struggles were very real, yes. uh, even as a young adult. Um, yes. And then in my profession, my, my God, I spoke for a living, yet I was filled with it, doubt, fear, all of it. Can I share something pretty exciting yeah. uh, about this for, to, to kind of uh, see what you feel about this? So from what's happened with me is uh, gone from originally being a relationship coach, but now I'm a mental game or mental performance coach for a lot of elite athletes, professionals, and amateurs, and also musicians, performers, business people. And what I have found in my research of working with so many people and myself included, is the level of the anxiety, doubt, fear, insecurity, depression is equal to your passion, your talent, your skill, your greatness, your desire to pursue and have success. It's a kind of screwy thing to think like, wow, really? Uh, And so I've been brought into the school systems a lot when the regular counselors are not meeting the students and not getting success because my approach is very human and, and I'm very real because I come from the pain that a lot of these kids are in yeah. so I can relate to them. 
And so when certain situations, when I've heard like, oh, this one is maybe a little suicidal or things like that or had shown suicidal tendencies, I go, tell me about their greatness. Tell them, This person is super talented. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't met them yet. I don't know anything about that. But what is their talent and their passion? And the people I talk to are almost always surprised, like, how would you know? It's like, well, it just goes hand in hand. And you think about it, you know. Um, especially from the world I originally came from out of music, you think of so many, and I've met so many amazing musicians and performed with so many amazing musicians, Mm -hmm. and you think, like, they must be just uh, so, feel so awesome about their skill and talent, and they can perform so amazing on stage, and yet their their inner game is sometimes so... um, it wreaks real havoc, yeah. you know, and has ruined lots of people's careers, put people to stop and, you know, to, to do these things. So it, so also what happens in like what you were sharing earlier on about yourself, when you reach a level of success, um, the doubts kind of come in from my, again, understanding and awareness is they're trying to help you. They're trying to help you get to that next level. It doesn't appear that way. It doesn't feel that way for sure. Yeah. But I, I say consider that thought to turn the doubt inside out. And then so what happens, I'm not sure in your situation, but I meet a lot of these situations. And you think about in, in the athletic world, someone has achieved success. And then uh, let's say they won a, a, a golf tournament uh, or let's say a major and you think from that person, oh, they're going to, you know, like we're going to see this person every week, you know, at that mm-hmm. level. Sometimes it happens, but sometimes you never hear about that person again. Yeah. And they and uh, they get the yips and they're gone. Now, this happens in all different fields. And why does that happen? Basically, the subconscious says, hooray, awesome, you had success. Now we're going to throw you really more intense doubts, fears, and insecurities because we want to help you get to that next level. Level. Okay, but what? Because I hear what you're saying. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and I know I understand what you're saying because I, I, in some ways, lived some of that. Uh, but if you don't listen, if you don't know what that is, you can. I mean, it can be destructive. It can be beyond turbulent. You know, I think of people like Robin Williams, or, 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 you know, got great comedians who have taken their own lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the young lady who just, you know, leaped yes. to her death. Yes, uh, she had everything going. You know, Miss. Miss America or Miss USA, I forget what she was, yes. uh, and, and successful lawyer. And I mean, you'd look from the outside going, whoa, she's got it going on. Yet inside, there's a lot of that. So sh- yes. how do you recognize that and see that and know that that's trying to help you? Well, I, I have a story I want to share, but I'll, uh, uh, but I'll share directly here. We have to start having some more self-awareness and, again, more understanding uh, of deeper um, – a deeper awareness of what those fears, doubts, anxieties are really about. And this is kind of a newer concept to look at it this way. But when I share it with people and uh, and especially those that I work with, they, you know, start working this idea and they see the transformation. I want to. So that's where it begins. If you don't have this kind of thinking, yeah, you think like hell is chasing you. For sure. And I want to bring back Robin Williams because he is one of my heroes. 
and it was um, he in so many ways. His he's an amazing was an amazing and still I still feel him. You know, amazing talent and a, an incredible huge heart. Mm-hmm. And um, when he passed, uh, Dick Cavett gave an interview on CNN, and he talked about his meeting with Robin and his his experiences early on because Dick Cavett was one of the first people that interviewed Robin when he hit, you know. And so I also have uh, interviewed Dick Cavett actually about his experiences with Robin and got a deep dive into this. And so what I want to share is uh, in honor, in in appreciation for Robin, the the day that Dick Cavett met Robin, I think it was in New York City. He was doing stand up, and um, you know the show's over. Everyone is applauding, going crazy. You know, just wanting more and more of Robin. And Robin comes to the back, you know, backstage by the curtain, and he looks to Dick Cavett, who he kind of just met in this sense, and he's like, "Isn't this amazing? Look at these people. Look how much joy." You know, they're having from me, and I can't do it for myself. Yeah, That's what he said to him. Wow. Um, But, you know, I I think – I don't know personally because, unfortunately, I never met Robin. But he, I think, definitely went through some transformations in his life and and, and cleared cleared some things. But it was also – Robin was just – such a unique character mm-hmm. that also his upbringing, you know, he wasn't around his parents a lot. And that's why he had this incredible, unique, creative mind. And I think potentially, because I can't say for sure, mm-hmm. that had a negative effect on him in terms of his vulnerability. Yeah. A lot of even his closest friends say, I didn't know who Robin was. You yeah. know, he was he this. Was always, yeah, yeah on. he was on yeah, doing he was Robin. On. You know. Yeah, I see. And, the, I see it in interviews, and, and a lot of people uh, say the same thing that you know he was always Robin Williams, Nanu Nanu. You know, <laughs> yeah. Morgan Mindy. You know, I wanted. Um, we're going to wrap this up shortly, uh, but I want to dive into something that you had the honor of doing. Um, it's pretty cool, uh, and, and you know, it, it, it involved the legend Kobe Bryant, who taken away way too early in life uh, that tragedy. And that uh, crash that killed his daughter as well, and, and many others. Kobe Bryant meant a lot to Hawaii too. I mean, he 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 loved Hawaii when the Lakers would train here, you know, and and people go crazy about this guy. This guy was uh, iconic in so many ways. Even if you're not a basketball fan, there was something electric and magical about Kobe. What did you do, and and how did that all start? Yeah. So uh, quite recently, a few months ago, um, uh, I from time to time do audio books, narrate them, and saw that this book called Kobe Life Lessons from a Legend was out and didn't have an audio book associated with it and contacted the folks I work with at Blackstone Audio and this came through St. Martin's Press and uh, the two companies work together a lot. I'm, I was like, I want to do this and they're like, okay, yeah. And it was one of those amazing things. The deal was done in like in two minutes when it really happened. But what really is uh, something to share was I took a deep dive into Kobe's life and um, and, and I didn't know so much about him and I left incredibly impressed with, again, the potential of what's possible. And something that I feel that Kobe 
uh, even though we, it's it's so known his work ethic and things, and and uh, also you know a lot of people in this situation talk about what about that sexual thing that happened in Colorado, and he from from all in, from all things that we can see, he really worked hard to regain his trust in his relationship with his wife and and his girls, and then this then came this level of Kobe. I think for him. It was one of the first times he really got in touch with, oh, my actions matter and affect people in an emotional way. And he grew from this. And his dedication to women and women's sports and all of this was profound. And uh, what I you know, got, so, another element that I got from my experience of, of narrating this book about him is that when people would interview him and ask him, what do you want to be remembered by? And, and oftentimes he would share is um, not, not the glory moments, not like the rings and the championships, even though that was his goals and he yearned for that. He was like, I want the, my life to be an inspiration for others that to know, pursue your abilities at your greatest possible way. And, you know, become the best you, whether that is, you know, going to be a champion on the basketball court or, you know, just having fun, whatever you are. And something I want to go back to from our conversation earlier, uh, I was very touched by Kobe. Kobe was very honest as well. And I was very touched by that. And he would say the most challenging opponent he ever faced was never anyone on the basketball court, not even close. It was his own mind. Sure. And so, and, and from what we shared earlier, you kind of get to understand this. He won one championship. Well, then the pressure comes on to, to get to that next level. And while he is then in the gym working out, you know, the voices, I call them the army of the aliens, go, oh, you can't do this, da-da-da, it's not going to happen. And Kobe's way, I think, of uh, uh, transforming that was action and just keep after it, process, getting 1% better every day. And if all of us do this, we may we may not uh, have the kind of life that Kobe you know lived and all of that, but we will have the quality of the life that Kobe did and was after, which was a level of uh, human attainment and achievement that there's no ceiling for. So I just ask for those if if Kobe's inspiring to you. Where is that inside of you? There's something being said to reach better or more. Well, so are you saying there's a little Kobe in me? <laughs> Have you seen my jump shot? No, not at all. Hey, you know what, Carrie? This has been awesome, and I appreciate this um, enlightening and insight from you. And you, you can doubt your way to success. And and I think um, I'll send you my 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 payment. <laughs> I feel like I just had a therapy session and. Um, but no, greatly appreciated that you stopped by what school you went and, and share this up with us because I think, you know, this is it's not the Manapua man or, or Opihi or but this is very much Hawaii as well. And, and and sometimes we struggle with that. Just ourselves. I like that. I'll re, I'll, I'll remember that. I do wanna say, um, the aloha of the Hawaiian culture has been a huge part in my transformation. And I'm forever grateful for that. Right on. Nicely said. All right. With that, we're going to say mahalo to you and continued success and good health. Mahalo Nui for joining us, folks. Join us next week for another episode of What School You Went. And we'll send you the bill. <laughs> Until next time, ahoy ho. 
What School You Went is a PBS Hawaii production. Music by Taimana Gardner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell your friends. You can find us on pbshawaii.org and everywhere you get your podcasts.